you've joined Pathways to Resilience, the podcast where real people share real stories, helping us build our playbook toward resilience. And now here's our host, Melissa Santos. Welcome back to Pathways to Resilience. I am really excited about today's uh, guest, Joshua Reynolds. Um, Josh was actually super instrumental um, in providing um, support and coaching to my team and I as we uh, began to envision this podcast. And so um, having Josh join me 15 episodes in um, is really exciting. Um, Josh is the CEO and founder of Rob Roy Consulting Incorporated, um, where he is a marketing strategy advisor and executive coach and uh, really inspires and challenges people in the power of storytelling, um, which was why he was a really great person um, to help guide to guide us in this project. So welcome, Josh. Thank you. It's great to be here. Why don't you start, Josh, by telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you. Um, as you mentioned, I run Rob Roy Consulting. We are a small but mighty marketing advisory firm, and we really enjoy working with purpose driven organizations such as Community Solutions. Um, And I have the pleasure of working with people that I've just known and trusted for 20 plus years, which makes it even easier to show up as our authentic selves at work and just really support each other, which has been especially useful during the past few years, uh, given all the challenges we've all been facing. Um, I don't mind sharing also that I'm someone who uh, himself has a very personal interest in the topic of things like resilience as uh, I've struggled with anxiety for a long, long time. And the past few years have been particularly challenging in that regard, Mm -hmm. but surrounding yourself with people, you know, and respect and trust, it's just a blessing. It is. And I'm excited today to talk about collective resilience um, that sort of popped up in our um, Mm pre-meeting for this episode, that term, I'm excited about that. Um, And thanks for sharing about, um, your um, experience with um, anxiety. I can relate to that. And I think, well, we know just statistically um, that over the past couple of years, um, those of us that have uh, experienced it for a long time felt it heavier. And some people who maybe hadn't experienced it before um, began to feel it. And we know that um, when we're dealing with challenges um, or mental health diagnoses, those things impact us at home, at work, kind of our whole selves. Um, to that end, Josh, we, we spoke the other day about um, at the sort of on the one end of the stick is this idea of resilience and collective resilience, and then the other mm-hmm. is the things that are pushing us down. And we both just sort of alluded to the last couple of years. But what do you think is pushing people down today? More than anything, I think what's pushing us down is not just the fear of what's going on, but the fear of isolation that comes with it. It is so odd to me how quickly the world changed in 2020. Mm -hmm. And we were all just told, basically, go to your room. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) isn't that true? Yes. And, and there we were in our room. And I don't know about you, but growing up, one of the worst things, uh, you know, one of the worst punishments for me was go to your room and be alone and mm-hmm. think about what you've done. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, <laughs> and, absolutely. 
you know, and so for a, for an anxious person to be alone, your thoughts, that's, that's no fun. And so I think what's really pushing us down is this, this sense of uh, things are getting worse, whether it's the environment or the economy, social justice, there's all kinds of things to worry about, but worrying about those things when we're alone, it, it, it's worse than ever. And now with a recent round of layoffs across almost every company that I know, that sense of isolation, uh, I think it just gets worse. Yeah. I I hadn't, of all the analogies that I've heard people talk about over the last couple of years, the go to your room, this is the first. And gosh, it hit me right when you said it. Um, <laughs> because we were, right? And and then we were stuck with other people in our room, some of us, right? That we mm-hmm. may or may not have wanted to be stuck with <laughs> for that long of a time. Or suddenly we were responsible for ourselves and thinking about in that isolation. And also if we were parents or partners or caring mm-hmm. for elderly, you know, th- there was, there was this um, bubble as we've talked about it, but that idea of, of equating it with almost a punishment, particularly when um, we were so cut off so quickly. Um, it's it's, it's, it's so strange. It is. Yeah. Well, and, it, and it's, it's go to your room, but it's also, as, as you just alluded to, it's go into your pressure cooker. I mean, yeah. There you are face to face with your obligations, yes. with your limitations and everything else. And for anyone who has gone through the pandemic, as you said, you're caring for a family, uh, caring for, uh, for older loved people, um, or for folks who are trying to keep a small company afloat. It's, it, it was such a trying time. And so it's it's that isolation, I think, that that was one of the most difficult aspects to deal with on top of the very real pressures of where will my next paycheck come from? Mm-hmm. Am I going to be okay health-wise? I remember that day here up in the Bay Area shortly after lockdown that because of all the wildfires, the skies turned orange. They did. It was really creepy. <laughs> yeah, I, the, it, apocalyptic. It was, yeah, it, it was. And that that fear of am I going to be okay, and are the people who rely on me going to be okay? Just on a very personal level, I think uh, my my very deepest fear is that I'm going to let people down. The people I love and the people that count on me, I'm going to let them down. That was just the most terrifying thing to have to face. Yeah. And I'm very lucky that I didn't have to face it alone. And I think, you know, you talk a lot about storytelling. Um, and when you're by yourself and when we're in, as you said, this pressure cooker or isolated, or even, even if we're not by ourselves, even as we're coming out of this, how are we, how are we, or do we reestablish, reestablish connections? Um, and with whom, and are there the same connections we had before? You know, a lot of pondering I find Mm -hmm. myself doing. Um, And so one of the things you mentioned is remembering your value, Mm -hmm. um, which I I think I certainly can feel at the beginning, especially of the pandemic that I lost some of that because Mm -hmm. it was, things just got so scary and so busy in the taking care of, in the taking care of others and the worrying about others, in the taking care of business, in the worrying about the people that count on us in our work. Um, and so, and then I love that we connected it to this term collective resilience. So tell me about the power from your perspective, the power of storytelling, how it shows up in your work, Mm -hmm. um, how that helps us to build this idea of collective resilience. 
Absolutely. Well, so first of all, uh, anything that I know or any skill that I have around storytelling, I've got to start by crediting uh, to two people. The first is Joseph Campbell. Anyone who is any good at storytelling or has any understanding of the power of story, whether you know it or not, uh, we, we owe a debt to Joseph Campbell, who wrote The Power of Myth and was a professor and a scholar in the 60s and 70s. And he recognized that every major world religion, every major global myth followed a similar pattern, that the hero had a similar journey. Uh, and he, in fact, mapped out the hero's journey. And what was so important about that to me personally was that it unites us. We respond to trauma. We respond to stimulus. We respond to hopes, aspirations, fears the same way. You know, technology gets a new upgrade every few months, but the human brain, that biological operating system, has remained essentially the same for, for centuries, mm -hmm. if not eons. And so storytelling is the way we process what the heck is going on. And every hero, every hero faces challenge. The question is, how do they get through it? And every hero is changed by that journey. The question mm -hmm. is, do we change the way we would like to? Do we become the person we want to become? And collective resilience comes into it because there are very, very few journeys that we take completely alone. There are allies. There are enemies. There are people we think are enemies that turn out to be our friends. There are shapeshifters. Uh, there are people we're fighting for, people we're fighting with. We don't go through these journeys alone. And it is, in fact, the people around us who shape us and shape our, our, our stories. But I'll tell you, there's one other thing I've learned, Melissa, that's even more profound, and that is this. In our own heads, each of us has more than one storyteller. And the question is, what story are we going to tell ourselves? Are we going to tell our stories in which we're the victim? Are we going to tell ourselves a story in which we're the hero? Are we going to tell our stories that lead to tragedy or triumph? And the more people you surround yourself with, the more trusted and more loved people you can surround yourself with, they can activate your best inner storyteller. And you can understand what's happening around you in a way that brings out the best in you, not the worst in you. And I, I, again, I, I can't say enough about the, the people that I work with and the people that I work for. We collectively brought out the best in each other because we responded not to what might happen, but to who we are. And that's going to be the, where, where I want to just pause here for a second, Melissa, that the worst nightmares, the worst nightmares are so hard to get through. But when you remember that nothing in the world can take away the power to choose our attitude and nothing can take away our power to bring joy to someone else in the darkest of times, that's what got me through. Nothing can take away my ability to be a nice person. And even if I'm at my worst, I can be someone else's brightest. And, and that's what collectively I think makes us so resilient. I, wow. Yes. And this idea, just going back to as a, as a team talking about your work team, but I think I can relate to this in so many ways. One thinking back on times when I did it and how the experience was that much better. And also just as a lesson around 
not thinking about the worst that could happen or just what could happen in general, but presencing yourselves in who you are. Yes. That's really powerful. That, what did that look like? Uh, well, there were so many times when it was tempting uh, running a small business to scale back, uh, shut down, go dormant, as many small businesses had to do. Uh, and so, you know, we're, we're a small consultancy. Uh, we've got about five or six full-time people. We had a number of freelancers we were working with. We had clients who didn't know what to expect. They were thinking mm-hmm. of scaling back. And we just had a long, honest conversation as a company. What are we going to do about this? And if I had listened to the most frightened inner storyteller, I would have said, sorry, guys, we're shutting down, laid everybody off. We'll see you on the other side. And when we talked, we remembered that we have this company value of courage. Mm -hmm. And the reason we stayed open and kept plowing through wasn't because we thought it was going to get better. It's because that's who we are. And so um, my wife and I made the decision to cut my salary in half so we wouldn't have to reduce anyone else's salary. Um, and we put our numbers, uh, our, our company revenues and forecasts up on a shared drive. And we said, look, here's the numbers. If the number goes below this level, we might have to cut your pay. If it goes below that level, uh, we're looking at a layoff. But if it goes above this level, we're going to be just fine. So the power's in your hands, folks. Let's do what we can. And we shared that revised number every month. And I cannot tell you, it was just such a blessing. They put in so much extra work and tried so hard. We ended up not laying off anyone. We actually grew mm. during the pandemic. And it's because we were pulling for each other and we were able to bring out the best and bravest in each other instead of falling prey to that frightened storyteller in our heads that was telling us it's just going to get worse. Right. So that level of radical transparency is something that I think would behoove people even in the best of times, not just the worst of times, but most importantly, we've all now gotten to the point where we can continue to call each other out. And if one of us is a little down or one of us is about to make a really poor choice, we're able to tell each other, hey, that doesn't seem like you. We don't Mm. tell each other, hey, that's a bad decision or you're going to make a mistake. We just say, you don't sound like yourself or this doesn't seem like you. What's going on? And that's, that's what I can say about how that looked like for us. So many words are popping up um, from, because, you know, each of these episodes that we've had the last, last 14 episodes, there's been this multiple story strings that have connected them, um, which isn't surprising. And is also always just feels magical to me. Um, and then the last couple of episodes, we've talked about conscious leadership and talked about the power of presencing. Um, and also those internal personas. And often when we go to, um, when we go to re when we're reacting to stress or what conscious leadership would call the drama triangle, that we go to victim hero Mm -hmm. or villain Mm -hmm. and, and that story, (laughs) that's, that's that inner storyteller. And when we come out of that, what you just described, Josh is, is well, one, a team and a leader that had some skill set and some connection item beforehand, but that was able to say, pause and let's get present. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's not go back to what we were planning before this all happened. 
Let's get present in the now. Who are we? What do we want to do next? And how are we radically transparent with one another about the the collective choice we all can make um, about where this goes next or choice or not choice, you know, what's happening around us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wow. Yeah. Well, that, and that word you just shared their choice, that's perhaps one of the most sacred things uh, in the world is to be able to stay in choice. Um, I know one of your previous guests, uh, Gurian Tai, uh, has done a lot of work in fear and, and she's someone we work with a lot here as well. And this notion that when we are scared out of our wits, we are in fact scared out of our choice. Um, um, we, we, we act not as the re- result of a choice. We just are you know, running out of instinct and that's not helpful. Um, what we were able to do as a team was to keep each other awake and, uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and present because we know each other. Now I should also mention very quickly, I work with people that I hand selected and people that I've known for more than 20 years. Um, I consider these folks really close personal friends which on the one hand put a lot more pressure on because mm-hmm. uh, at one point I was looking at the prospect of laying off my best friends. Yeah. Right. You know, t- terrifying. But then I remembered, wait a second, they're some of my closest friends. I'm just going to be honest with them and let's see what happens. And so we, we've been very blessed in that regard. But the other thing I wanted to share, it's interesting. You call out the internal persona, that triangle of, of a uh, victim hero villain. I discovered uh, that I had another inner persona and it was the inner ally. Uh, there's been mm-hmm. more than a few times that um, I was able to take a walk with myself and say, hey, friend, what's going on? How do you want to approach this? Uh, and to take that inner presence, I think, is the words I would choose that we, that we all have. You can call it soul, spirit, connection to God, or it can just be the inner voice, whatever you want to call it. And to have a conversation with your authentic self and then take that like a tuning fork to the people around you. And if they're acting not like themselves, you whack them upside the head with that tuning fork, dong, and like, <laughs> hey, wake up, let's, let's, mm-hmm. let's be here, let's be present, let's face this together. Um, but the stories we tell ourselves, the stories we continue to tell ourselves about what's happening, it's so interesting why we tell ourselves the stories that we do. Is it to feel better? Is it to feel worse? Is it to avoid guilt? Is it to assign blame? Is it to create a false sense of control? You know, why are we creating these stories? And I've seen people, people I'm very close to, uh, make it worse by telling them stories in which they cast themselves as a victim or a villain and, uh, and that's where I think really surrounding yourself with honest people that can help you see a different story is so useful. Yes. And another theme of when you're, when you talk about taking a walk with yourself mm. and tapping into your knowing you, we, each of us has a has great knowing within ourselves mm-hmm. that gets silenced when we go to fear, right. When, or when our fear takes over, I love, um, well, Gurian was our first guest and was so powerful. And I, um, this idea of using fear to begin to tell us where we're, where we are, <laughs> what yeah. story am I, yeah. is, is my fear bringing up for me right now? How can I see this fear is, is holding, is, ba- is holding me back from choice. And now what else, what do I want to tap into instead? 
Yeah, it's it is so amazing when you realize fear isn't the enemy. Fear is a teacher. It's yeah. trying to tell you something, right? right? And um, so, and, and that's if you break this down on a neurological level, uh, I, I keep on using the, the concept of the human brain as a biological computer, and there's an organic processing system, and there's a number of algorithms, a number of unconscious thought patterns that go on in there. And the more you understand it, the more useful uh, it can be to help keep you in choice. One of the biggest and most troublesome of those algorithms, of those thought patterns is confirmation bias. When you believe something is true, the data that suggests that you're right will show up in the brain at a faster measurable speed and a, at a higher measurable voltage than data that suggests you're wrong. So if you think, you're gonna, if you think things are going to be bad, that you will find evidence that things are going to be bad. And it just gets worse and worse. And your story gets darker and darker. There is another algorithm that's a little faster and a little stronger than confirmation bias. And it's curiosity. Social neuroscientists describe it as FOMO for the brain. Hey, what's that over there, right? And so if you can get curious about what's, what's wrong, if you can get curious about what's wrong, then you can step out of that rut out of that old loop, out of that old narrative. And what is my fear trying to tell me? What is going on here really? Is there a different story available to me? I think curiosity is our saving grace. And I'll, I'll just close on this part with just uh, with one phrase uh, that, that came to me during the pandemic. Uh, and, and it just, it was such a reminder that um, sometimes our darkest fears are just self-inflicted uh, dark imaginings. And when things are at their darkest for me, I have to remember that things might be at their darkest because my head is up my butt. Mm-hmm. And if I, if I can just pull out of it, things might get a little bit brighter that maybe there's something I'm not seeing. I have no idea if that's going to be the final edit, Melissa, but I just wanted to share that. That's actually no. a phrase. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, that was, yeah, I think we need t-shirts. Where's your head? I mean, yeah, I think that's so true, isn't it? I mean, it's so true. And, and the... The only thing, I mean, there, we have choice that people can't take away, take away, although they try. Systems certainly can. We have the ability to pause and just find ourselves again. Yeah. <laughs> Locate yeah. ourselves again. Um, where yeah. is my head right now? Um, yeah. And some of that, that, some of that is what I hope that we've, um, I, I know I had the opportunity, I should say that, you know, I had my health during the pandemic. I had my job. I had, um, you know, so all of those securities in my life stayed, re- remained, um, but also had time to slow down and to make the choice to listen to myself more, to not have every minute of the day scheduled, every weekend chock full. Um, so that I could listen to myself and also lo- listen to the people that I care about the most. Um, and I think we're at, a, I think for me, and I imagine others that there's, we continue to get closer and closer to this, this crossroads of how much do we fill up, fill everything back up again, including our yeah. heads, with <laughs> the noise of others that, you know, and, and get disconnected from that again. It It's so true, Melissa. Um, what strikes me is, uh, and you're so much closer to this than I am, but what strikes me is what a luxury and a privilege it is to have a quiet moment. Mm-hmm. And for those of us who are uh, comparatively uh, 
very privileged uh, indeed. It is a shame when we don't take more opportunity to pause and reflect and reconnect to authentic self, because if we did that more often, we might realize we have a lot to be thankful for. And from that great fullness, from that great fullness comes the urge to share back with thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. When you realize how much you have, I think I'd like to believe that most people have the urge to share when they can break through this, the myth of scarcity, when they break through the illusory fear that we do not have enough to realize, oh my gosh, I have so much. There is such a surplus here that when we realize there are some folks that can not take 15 minutes to meditate because they've got to survive, mm-hmm. then I think, I think that moment of clarity is, is what motivates uh, my team and I to do what we can to work with um, you know, purpose-driven organizations like your own that 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 are so purpose-driven, and there's on a personal level to try to help those that are having a slightly harder time today than we are, right? So that that to me is, I think, is another one of our company values is compassion. We have four: it's it's curiosity, it's courage, it's compassion, and it's conviction. And when you stop and get curious about what's really going on, and you realize how much you have, then compassion opens up to you, and you realize, oh my gosh, I'm really actually doing quite fine let me just poke my head up for a second, look around me and see who's not doing fine and have the courage to help them out because I'm fine. <laughs> uh, that, that was the yeah. other big lesson for me. And, and that, and that's me, you know, bringing it back to collective resilience is, is what's so important is if we can remember how blessed we are, it's so much easier to be a force for good. That's exactly where my brain was just um, going. I love the energy of this conversation was around you know, one pause presence and know myself and talk to myself and find my inner ally because I got to be good in order to be good for others. But then, yeah, where am I, especially if I'm sitting as someone sitting in a place of, of privilege, how now can I get curious about my impact on the collective resilience of those around me, those around me in my close circle and those around me humanity really um, is really important because I think when I hear collective that to me that that takes everyone that's part of it a collection right if you're if someone's collecting something and they're missing that one piece of the collection the collection's not complete and so how are we taking responsibility for our best selves to show up to the collective and then also looking you know, to our right and to our left and around and saying, how am I contributing? I guess that could be another C, huh? <laughs> how am I contributing? No, I, I think that's right. But I, and I love the, that notion of the word collection and its connection to collective, because you're right. It is a choice to decide I'm going to acknowledge you are in my circle. We are supported here in Silicon Valley every single day by an often unseen and underappreciated population of people who keep us safe, who uh, who just take care of us behind the scenes. And Mm -hmm. it is a choice whether you're gonna see them or not see them. It's a choice whether or not you're going to acknowledge that your life is made better by their work or not. 
and it is your choice to include or exclude. And this collective resilience gets stronger the bigger our shared circles are. And there's an awful lot of people um, who don't live in my zip code who are a central part of the well-being of myself, my family, and, and my employees. And the more we can expand that collective, the, and then I think the better off we all are. And I just, I, I just, it just hit me for the first time. I was like, that really is a choice. Like, I don't think of my collective as just the people I see or right. people who look like me or happen to, you know, live and work and shop where I do. Right. It's the people that support me, whether, whether I'm aware of them or not. Right. Which I think is even becomes the higher calling of our, of us as humans, right. Is, mm-hmm. um, like, you know, feeling again, getting, having a, getting myself grounded and connected, connecting in a meaningful way with my family and those in my immediate circle. And then, you know, really how am I not only contributing to the collective resilience of, of the larger we, right. That came up when we were this, this, this idea of speaking about trauma and resilience and stress and all of these amazing topics from a capital W we, and, and we have many different um, stories um, in this collective that um, of who we are and how we live and what impacts us. But we have so much more in common than we do not in common. Um, if we can look at each other through, I think that, that lens of, of um, connection. And Truly. I no, impact the, you and you impact me, whether or not, um, whether or not we realize it. And that, and that just coming back to storytelling for a moment, that's, that's what yeah. makes the, um, that's what makes story such a universally compelling thing. It's always been amazing to me that a good movie is a good movie in virtually any culture, any language, um, with very few exceptions. There's just something about the way we as human beings process hope and fear. Mm-hmm. You know that that, uh, that that really does unite us, and the, the the skins, the the outer casings may be different, but the inner operating systems, the inner workings are are, are so similar. And the notion that we are so much more connected than we ever realized has been brought mm-hmm. home over the last few years so very strongly. And uh, in a time of great scarcity, you look at other people as a threat. And mm-hmm. yes, the other side of human nature, though, is in a time of great scarcity, you look at other people as a resource. Mm-hmm. And it's up to us to choose which story we want to tell ourselves. And the most, the most fascinating part of storytelling to me, there are many aspects which are <laughs> amazing, but in our professional work, when we're working for for-profit organizations you know, and large corporations, or whether we're working with uh, smaller groups and individuals, the most important aspect of any story is when the hero sees their challenge differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Star Wars, Luke Skywalker goes along through a few movies. I'm going to have to fight and kill Darth Vader. Oh my gosh, he's my dad. I've got to fight and kill my dad. No, yeah. my challenge is to feel the good in him and bring him out. I remember having to explain that to my kids early on, like, dad, are we going to have to fight someday? Like, eh, yeah, probably, but not like that, Dorn. Yeah. Um, but there's, <laughs> there's, a, there's a shift in thinking, right? There's a shift in how I approach this. And that shift in thinking is where storytelling get 
it's, it's transformational power. What if we had enough? One of my favorite pivots in any corporate story is, what if we did have enough? Organizations like LinkedIn, for example, their story, which we had the privilege of working on a few years back, what if people out of work weren't the problem? They're the solution. You had companies that couldn't hire talent fast enough. What if it wasn't some sort of subsidized charity that we help people find jobs? Talent is the currency that drives economies. What if they were the solution? That pivot was a central part of how LinkedIn came to be. And there's there's so many more examples out there where to use your, your, uh, your framework, I'm not victim, I am hero but it takes an ally to point that out sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that's why mm-hmm. the more we are surrounding ourselves with people that are honest, courageous, curious, and compassionate, we've got a much better chance of seeing the hero in ourselves and realizing that we can be a force for good and in turn become uh, you know, more aware of our own blessings. Yes. And and to, and to give ourselves grace, um, I think, to, to, re- to remember that we are, one, I, you know, we're hardwired to go to thinking we need to hurt people, right? Like we're higher, hardwired yeah. to go to that fear, yeah. scarcity. Um, our yeah. brains are still thinking, oh no, saber tooth tiger, T-Rex is coming to kill me, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. um, and that's where that presencing and then having those people around us that can help us to say, hey, Melissa, there's actually not a dinosaur, you know, like we're not there, right? There's not an actual threat right now. We're safe right now. Yeah. Let's come yeah. back to presence. Let's 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 take some breaths. Let's do some mindfulness. Let's get let's go get creative, um, yeah. and shift shift our consciousness, um, and and the power in that, but also the grace in like, yeah, my yeah. brain's gonna keep going there. It'll go there slower or less less often the more I practice it, um, but that it is human. It's innate in us. Oh, that. That's that's a point that I often struggle with, Melissa. I, I'll be honest. I, I think every word you speak is true. Uh, <laughs> it's difficult uh, sometimes for myself to exercise that grace because mm-hmm. I'm extraordinarily lucky uh, and I am privileged and I feel uh, an additional responsibility to get it right. And Yet I would be arrogant to think that my hard wiring is any different or better than anybody else's. And, and I love that that notion of that hard wiring because with all of the work that's been done in artificial intelligence, all the work that's been, you know, all the advances in technology, the question of what is what does it mean to be human has been coming up over and over again. And, mm-hmm. and one way to think about it is that even if we are hardwired, even if there are all these organic algorithms and thought patterns that are out of our control, even if so much of this is instinct, we are the only organic Android that is capable of transcending its own programming. That's right. That's we don't have to do what we, we don't have to do what we we're programmed to do. Um, and so when we have the luxury and privilege of a quiet moment, even if the thing in front of us is a saber-toothed tiger, we can choose how to respond to those real threats in a different way, in a way that feels like we really are and who we want to be. Um, Mm -hmm. And stories are what remind us to do it, especially when stories give us another way to interpret what's going on around us. So good. So good. Um, So Josh, I asked this question at the end of every episode. 
from your perspective, what is resilience? We've talked about a lot of things today, but what is what is resilience at its core? Resilience at its core. I think it's a choice. Mm. I think resilience is the decision to get back up, even if you can't see the point. I think resilience is an act of remembrance Mm. that even if things seem really tough, borderline hopeless, this is not who I am. Resilience is a choice to remember who you are and to act like the person you want to be. And it sure helps when you're surrounded by people who know the real you Mm. and can whack you upside the head lovingly when you forget. Mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, I, one of the, I just wrote down um, the, the notion of it being a choice allows resilience to be self-defined. Yes. Um, Yeah. I just found power in that. There are so many times when I don't feel resilient. There are times when I can imagine many, many people would say, I am not a resilient person, but that's, I think resilience is within everyone's grasp. We can always choose to respond instead of react. Mm -hmm. We can choose to do the very best we're capable of doing at any given moment and to get as close to our authentic selves as we possibly can. And I am aware that there are uh, many, many people for whom many choices are limited. We've seen some drastic examples of that in recent months as well. And even then in the face of choice being stripped away, you saw people choose to do everything they could to stay true to what they believed in. I love that. Me too. Well, Josh, I also loved this conversation. Thanks again for joining me. Um, where can people find you if they want to learn more about Rob Roy Consulting in your work? Sure. Uh, online at robroyconsulting.com, R-O-B-R-O-Y consulting.com. Uh, named the company after my grandfather, <clears throat> who was a stuntman for Roy Rogers and went on to become the head of advertising for one of the world's largest pharmaceutical companies. Um, and I, I would have to say he taught a lot to me about resilience and authenticity and yeah. uh, proud to name our company after him. Also, if you enjoy a good cocktail, Rob Roy is pretty good too. Yeah, great. There you go. Well, Josh, again, thanks for being here and uh, I will talk with you soon. Take care, Melissa. Collective resilience. I think it's so powerful and um, is inspiring and challenging me to do more thinking about it. This idea that we've talked a lot in previous episodes about tapping into our own inner knowing, inner presencing um, to build our resilience, or at least to build our tools kit or our playbook towards it. But this idea that there is a larger playbook that impacts humanity um, and that the resilience of humanity as a whole impacts us individually. And that 
the presencing of ourselves. Which story are we telling ourselves? Is that story coming from fear? Is it coming from curiosity? Are we being our own villain? Or are we taking a walk and talking to our inner ally, our inner friend? That voice within ourselves that when she can be seen and heard, knows the next step we need to take, or at least what we need to do in this moment. And that while that may be the greatest responsibility we have to ourselves for our overall well-being and mental health and overall health, that then looking outside of ourselves to say, how am I contributing to the resilience of others? As a mom, how am I contributing to the resilience of my children or their ability to tap into their resilience? As a coworker and a colleague and a leader, how am I showing up? What stories am I telling to those around me to support or not them tapping into their resilience? And beyond and beyond and beyond. What choices am I making? And how do those choices impact the resilience of those around me? Of those others that are part of this circle of humanity that is exists right now. It seems big, but it's, and, and I, again, I want to go do some reflection, but I encourage you to as well. Are you confirming for people their disconnection to resilience, their beliefs in scarcity or not being able, or are you contributing to people being able to access their resilience? Are you being an ally to yourself? Are you being an ally to others? So good. Thanks for tuning in. And I hope you join us again next time. Thanks for joining Pathways to Resilience, an initiative of Community Solutions. For more information, visit us at www.communitysolutions.org.